This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Praise God. If you brought a Bible with you this morning, I'd like for you to open them with me to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You can find that opening in your Bibles today. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to stand before you this morning and to be able to communicate from the Word of God regarding God's plan and purpose for us and for you. And uh, I don't know about you, I so enjoyed my son's last two messages on, you know, the abundant life and about focusing. And those of you men that were uh, for the men's event a couple weeks ago talking about our hearts and, uh, you know, just unpacking some beautiful, wonderful things, truths from the Word of God that we are to build our lives upon. This morning, I want to share a message with you that... um, well, I've been all over the place with this thing, trying to figure out how I'm supposed to present this. So you, uh, you believe with me. How about that? And let's trust God for utterance in the Holy Ghost. And um, I've been of late spending quite a bit of time with the Lord, really endeavoring to press into his plan and purpose uh, for these last days that we're living in. And um, sometimes, you know... Uh, the Apostle Paul made the statement, he said, you know, we see through a veil dimly. And so there are certain things with regard to God's kingdom that on the other side are very clear, on this side they're not. And um, I have been endeavoring and am going to continue to do so because I believe that we are at a time uh, when we need to be about the Father's business. And everyone will agree with that. I mean, you know, you, I mean, any believer that you ever talk to, oh, yeah, yeah, we need to. But the real question about all of that is, is are we? Are we really, you know, uh, engaged in what it is that he's doing? So today's message I want to share with you is, is um, it's an encouragement, but it's also challenging. It will bring a challenge to your life, but that's all right, right? I mean, you don't want some social gospel where we're just, you know, barking in the dark and then 10 minutes later we're done and we go home and do whatever. Um, I want to give, give you something that, at least in my own heart, I believe that heaven has uh, given to me to give to you. And, uh, you know, I stand in the office of a pastor. And as a pastor, you know, you, you are somewhat of a father figure, if you want to call it that, you know, where you're endeavoring to help people do what needs to be done so that their lives can be the way that God wants them to be. Amen. And so uh, in order to do that, sometimes um, you have to admonish, exhort, you know, talk to people about things that, um, well, just need to be talked about. Amen. How many of you ever had a family meeting? (laughs) <laughs> sure. Yeah, we need, to dis- we need to discuss this. You know, when things are going sideways, somebody's got to stand up and say, hey, we got we to straighten this up a little bit. So uh, I don't want you to get the, uh, the idea that this is going to be some heavy, heavy uh, hang over your head kind of message. Uh, but, I, but I do want you, to, I want you to think about what I'm saying to you and, uh, so that it can benefit you. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. So let's pray together, and then we'll, uh, I'll share with you what I want to share. Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. And God, I, I again, I thank you for the privilege that I have to stand before this congregation of people and whoever may be watching online, but to represent the kingdom of heaven. And so, Father, I do ask you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to help me to communicate these things, Father, in a way that is understandable not only that, but impactful in our lives, where our lives are concerned, to know the will of God, and not only to know it, but to do it. And so I just thank you, Father, again, for helping me, for utterance in the Holy Ghost, to speak as you would have me to, in Jesus' name, amen. Notice with me, if you would, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, beginning with verse 1, I'm reading out of the New King James Bible. And the Apostle Paul says, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, 
In an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in, a, in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. All of you know that when Jesus came to this earthbound existence, that he came revealing the kingdom of heaven. And when he came, he would often say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of his ministry, uh, that was his message. Now, it was also John the Baptist's message that the kingdom of heaven is here, is near, is now, is at hand. And not only did Jesus preach that, and not only did John preach that, But when Jesus sent out the 70 and his disciples, he told them to go out, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils, and tell people that the kingdom of heaven is near or at hand. And, you know, we gather each Sunday as a group and as a congregation of people for a few moments to see things from a different perspective, to see it from his perspective perspective, to get away from all of the noise and escape that and the mess that's in this world. How many of you know the world's in a mess? Don't, you, don't get concerned about it because, praise God, even though you're in the world, you're not of it. And there's a huge difference there. Are you listening to me? So we come just, I don't know, escape might not be the right word, but sometimes that's the way I feel. <laughs> just get out of it all, you know, to find solace. And, and to find refreshing from the truths of God's living word, hallelujah, and, and, and just in the simple fact that we know him and know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and his presence in our lives. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. hallelujah. And thank God for what it is that God is doing in every one of our lives. So he came to reveal the kingdom something that with physical eyes you can't see, but yet is so very, very real. And it's in our future, every one of us, whether it be in heaven or in hell, eternity is coming our way. And there's a place in the book of Isaiah chapter 55, and God is speaking in verse 8, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. So he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways. Jesus came to reveal that kingdom to us, and he placed upon us the responsibility of understanding that. Now, of course, you can't really do that without the divine agency of the Holy Spirit, but thank God for those that have the indwelling presence of God in them, we can know. And God wants us to make what we come to know a priority in our lives in terms of how it is that we live, because the Word of God is true, absolutely true. And everything that has escaped our Father's lips is going to come to pass, is coming to pass, hallelujah, and has come to pass. So it's incumbent upon us to really give heed to and think about the things that, you know, our Heavenly Father is telling us and and be cognizant or conscious of it. It's a funny thing about our human nature, you guys. I mean, we live in this world and everything around us that's tangible has its its, its, uh, draw or pull upon people. And so... We're, we're more minded of those things because this is where we live. But yet our Heavenly Father is saying that, you know, it's important for you to understand that there is a, another kingdom 
that is coming and that you're to be conscious of that kingdom and, and stepping into it, as it were, or cooperating with or participating in kingdom business. But it, it, gets, it, gets, uh, it gets detached because we're doing our lives and, you know, we're making our careers and we're engaged with a family and we're trying to raise kids and we're trying to make money and make ends meet and we have other interests and all of these things. And, and then there's hell that is doing everything it can to destroy any kind of life that, that, that humanity might have. You know, the thing is, is you and I, we are, we're God's prized possession. We are everything to him. All of this was created for our pleasure. He, he created it so that he could put his man here and, and have life. But we have an adversary, very real, much more real than what most people even have a clue. And he's destroying people's lives, killing, stealing, destroying them, blindly leading the blind. And some of them have no idea what's going on. I never had any ideas as a teenager. I didn't know anything about the things. The reality of heaven and his kingdom and hell and, and his kingdom were, were nothing to me. And you can take me and you and multiply us by millions of people and they won't have a clue what it is that you and I are talking about. They'll call you a terrorist. You know, they'll call you deplorable. They'll call you all these other kinds of things, but they don't have a clue. So I want to talk about, I don't even have a, I don't even have a title for this thing. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about our decisions, our choices, the changes that maybe we have to make uh, to think differently about our lives and where it is that we're going. I want to, you know, I want to, and, and please understand when I, when I say this, I, I include myself in this same boat, but I want, to, I want to address the indifference and apathy that we often have. Because they'll say, well, you know, I'm saved. You know, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to heaven as far as I know. But there is a commission there is, a, there is a purpose and a priority that heaven has. Not yours, but heaven's. And, and he wants us, the church, to be engaged in that. And I'll be honest with you, it requires having to lay down your life. And not always doing what it is that you want to do. But yet, right on the other hand, when we participate, when we position ourselves, when we act in opportunities as they come, it delights the heart of our Father God. And we're not one another's judge. It isn't about, well, you know, they're really getting after it and they aren't doing this or that or the other or whatever, and we do this comparatonitis thing, you know. It's a disease that people have. It's not about that. But it is about recognizing and, and, and realizing that his kingdom is coming. It is, it, is, it is marching into our futures. It doesn't make any difference what people say. He said, if I go, I'll come again. And he's coming. And why it's important for us to consider these things where our lives are concerned. Well, I'll lighten it up here a little bit for you. I've told this story before. But when I was a little kid, I don't know, I might have been 10, 12. I don't think I was 14 years old. But you know, we have our habits. And so when school was over with, I came home and I plopped down on the floor in front of the television to watch Looney Tunes. Everybody say, thank God for Looney Tunes. You know, I'm telling you what, this, this stuff they call cartoons, I don't even know if they have cartoons anymore. It did, they don't even exist. But I'm telling you, Looney Tunes are out of sight awesome. I've got all kinds of CDs. You know, Bugs Bunny, Sylvester, Yosemite Sam. You know, the whole crew, man. 
And I tell you what, if you want a good laugh, that's what you need to be watching. Well, anyway, so uh, <clears throat> they were always uh, on right after school, and I got home and lay down on the floor. I'm watching this, and my sister, 10 years my senior, um, was home. Our parents, I don't know, they were away, but evidently she had been tasked with some things that needed to be done, maybe wash some dishes and whatever, house cleaning, so on and so forth. Well, I came home, and I, you know, I'm watching TV, and she wants me to take the trash out. And I said, well, yeah, uh, I will, but I'm watching this right now. She goes, no, I want you to do it now. Now, we're talking about priorities, and we're talking about what's urgent. And taking the trash out was not urgent in my world, okay? I just wanted to watch Looney Tunes, that's all. Well, then she came in, you know, and she's, I would say, ranting, you know, because she wants me to do this, and I won't do it. Because I want to watch cartoons, okay? Is 30 minutes going to make that much difference in the grand scheme of things? Probably not. But she was pretty insistent. Well, because I didn't respond, she came in and now realized, I, I probably was pretty young. She come in to the uh, living room there where the TV is, and she snatched me up off the floor grabbed me by the arm, and drugged me into the kitchen and stuffed me in the corner where the trash was. Well, now it's a whole war of wills, okay? So I just stood there defiant, you know, probably like this. I don't know, but I wasn't moving. And uh, the, the longer that went on, the matter she got. So she went down the hall. We had this uh, hall rack. Uh, actually, it was a mirror where you could hang your coats and things like that. And up there is where mom and dad kept all the yardsticks. And so she gets this yardstick, and, and uh, she comes back and, you know, drags me out of this corner and proceeds to wail on me. Well, what the funny thing about it is, is, you know, a yardstick doesn't have a whole lot of thickness to it. So the first time she hit me, it broke in half. And so she hits me again or two or three. And she literally took this yardstick. I don't even know how she did it, but she broke it into about five pieces. She picked up the one piece that was longer, and she's, you know, whatever, whatever. Well, again, she's swinging so hard and all this, I didn't even feel it, really. So when she got done, I laughed at her. <laughs> you say, well, why, why do you tell us this story? That's a great question. I guess the reason I say it is, is that here is someone who felt like there was a priority that needed to be cared for and was pretty urgent about it. And I really didn't care one way or the other. My priority was something else. So I, th I wonder sometimes in our spiritual lives if it isn't the same way. Yeah, I know, you know, God wants us to be engaged in the kingdom of God. And I know that, you know, I probably ought to get my life straightened out here in a few areas and maybe shouldn't, you know, whatever, whatever. But, you know, I'm just not that interested right now. I had a coach and a dad, and I can remember on several different occasions where they would say, what part of now do you not understand? Remember our scripture said today, now, today is the day of salvation. Behold, today is the day of salvation and now is the accepted time. So when it comes to spiritual things, Jesus was very clear about the priorities of those matters that we need to have within our lives. In one place he said in Matthew 6 and 33, he said, but seek ye, what's the next word? What's the word? Say it one more time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It isn't that our lives aren't important, and it certainly isn't, I'm not trying to suggest that we don't have responsibilities that we have to care for or need to care for, but I'm talking about our priorities, what is first within our lives. In other words, what it is that we put up front in what it is that we're doing. Some people think nothing of just living their lives the way that they want to. If something comes up, you know, they'll bail on the spiritual side of their life and go do whatever. 
It's easy. Do it all the time, especially when you live in a affluent society. We got so many choices. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And so what will end up happening is, is that all of a sudden, you know, something that they were once committed to, they're now vacant from. There's vacancy. And the kingdom of God isn't being advanced as it should. Are you with me? Now, it seems like a small thing, but I'll just kind of bring it up anyway. Our personal secretary and, you know, is in, uh, responsible for our, our nursery. And she, she has a lot of people bail on her. Now, she would never tell you this, but it happens. And so all of a sudden, she's running around trying to figure out how to fill the vacancy. And some people would say, well, it's really not that big a deal. But if you give your word, you probably ought to keep it. Now, I understand, please understand, I understand there are things that come up, you know, in life, and, and we do have to make, you know, uh, uh, changes and things of that nature. I told you this is going to be a lot of fun, okay? Let me mention one other thing while I'm talking about it, and this is totally unrelated, but I just want to share it with you right now. Um, <laughs> I guess now's the time. He can only run me off. But anyway, uh, I wanted to share with you about the sacredness of marriage. God ordained marriage between a husband and a wife, or a man and a woman. And we have had the privilege, somebody asked me one time, how many people have you married? I said, I don't know, hundreds, you know. But one of the things that is important to me as a pastor is, is that, that the people that are entering into this covenant with one another fear God and are living for God. Don't you think that's appropriate? And so the reason I bring the, this up to you is, is because now we're, we're generations down the road here. There are those of us that started out together, and then we had kids, and then they had kids, and and they're probably going to have kids. And, and so it gets, it, it, it gets down the road a ways. And the, and the reason I want to bring this up to you is, is that I simply want to tell you respectfully and lovingly that if you've got kids that are wanting to get married, but they're not living for God, this is not where, this is not where they need to come. All right? Now, let me explain that. Let me unpack that a little bit further. It isn't that I don't love your kids and I don't, that I don't care about them, but they don't want a pastor. They want somebody that has the legal ability to carry out or perform a whatever so that they can be uh, um, married. It used to be, we used to have justice of the peace that, that you know, could and would do that and things of that nature. So I'm just sharing with you in advance, you guys. I love you guys with all of my heart. But I want to be, be a part of something that honors and glorifies God. I don't want to be a part of something that when the wedding is over, we go into the nursery and there's beer cans in the trash. So disappointing. Well, you know, what are you getting so stirred up and riled up about? You know, everybody needs a beer once in a while. Not in the house. It's disrespectful. And, and that tells me, you guys, that they don't give a rip about what we're doing. There's no honor. And there's no respect for the things that are of God. And so I just got to tell you, well... Don't ask because it makes it difficult, but we're not going to do that, okay? How's, yeah, everybody okay? Yeah. All right, good. <laughs> I didn't know how that go over, but I've been wanting to share it for a while, um, but I didn't know how. I didn't want to do it, you know, if you got somebody that's getting married, you know, and then, and then you communicate this, then people automatically think, well, they must be talking about them. I'm not talking about anybody, okay? So don't sit there in your mind, who's he talking about? You know, that, that's, not, that's not what it's about. But, uh, but I, um, we serve our congregation. 
We serve the pastoral staff, the people, you know, that are part of the, the body life of this church. We serve those that are part of our church. And it, I mean, at the drop of a hat, we're going to go. But we get all this stuff going on in the peripherals, you know, that, that really is not part of our responsibility. And if I'm going to spend my time, my energy, and my efforts, I'm going to spend it on you. Okay? So, hopefully you understand my, the spirit of what it is that I'm talking about in that context. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, well, where were we? Oh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. One thing about Jesus was, is he was all about the Father's business. Isn't that right? Even as a 12-year-old. He said, you know, when his, when his parents lost him, he said, well, why is it that you're all stirred up about this? Don't you know that I need to be about my father's, the King James says, my father's business, or don't you know I need to be in his house? So it was his priority. That's what he did. With Mary and Martha, you remember Martha, she was taken up with all kinds of things, and hospitality something that we all ought to be a part of, but that really wasn't the priority. It was the fact that Jesus the master, the head of the church, the Christ, the son of the living God was in their house and she's making dinner. You know, some things just aren't that important or at least they shouldn't be. Doesn't mean that eating isn't, you know, <laughs> got its place. How many of you like to eat? Sure, we all do. But yet right on the other hand, he's in the house and Mary sat at his feet to listen to what it was that he was saying. Why? Because he was revealing the kingdom and its function. And she wanted to know about it. Dear friends, I hope that that's what you want to know about. Well, I do, but you know, uh, can you give it to me, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know, and when I, I've got this little window. Let's not have just a little window. If the master speaks... We drop everything. Are you with me? <clears throat> Hallelujah. The natural temporal things of this life, they can crowd out the eternal, divine purposes and the destiny that God has for each and every one of us. And again, I want you to know, I'm not talking about abandoning you know, responsibility. I'm talking about prioritizing the things in our life that are important. Sometimes we can be so taken up and caught up in stuff that really doesn't matter, and we miss out. Jesus, in one of the parables that he spoke, which were many, he talked about the kingdom of heaven is like a man sowing seed. And he made this lengthy <clears throat> description of the seed and where it ended up and how it produced. And the disciples later asked him about it. He said, what, what, what do you mean by this? And he said, well, the seed is the word of God. It's a living thing and it falls in different places and it produces right after its own kind, but it doesn't always produce very well because sometimes the, the seed of God's word is communicated or preached or whatever, and Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that is sown in their heart. How does that happen? The guy or the gal sits there and says, I don't believe that. That can't be true. No, there ain't nothing to that, you know. Well, what, what's happened? That seed just got ate and it's gone. He goes on to explain then about how others in the rocky kind of soil, they, they receive the word with gladness, but then when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble and they fall away. I watched that happen when I got saved. There were so many of us that got swept into the kingdom of God through this charismatic movement, but unfortunately, you know, when, when people started calling us a fanatic and a Bible thumper, you know, and all these other, you know, descriptive words that they come up with, a lot of people, well... They didn't want that. And so rather than being ridiculed or mocked, they slid back into their former way of life. So what happened? 
Seed never produced anything. Oh, it doesn't mean that they're not saved. Probably doesn't mean that they're not going to heaven. But I tell you what, they've had no kind of life as far as impacting the world around them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? And we don't really think about it this way, but you guys, the reality is, is that it's really selfish when we do that. Sometimes you've got to take a hit for the kingdom. And then you've got to decide how you're going to respond and whether you're going to stay in the game. Because they're going to come. Jesus said, dude, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. When you say, no, we don't do that, we don't live like that, we don't allow our kids to do this or that or the other, those are all kinds of things that you have to endure, that you have to deal with. But it's right. It's righteous. It's, it's proper. It's appropriate. It's, it's godly. And, and you're doing, in the case of your kids, a favor by telling them, this is not the way that we live. And so, while you're under our roof, you are not going to live this way. Well, it does take strength. It takes courage. You have to be brave. The Bible says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. These are the things that we fight for. You know, well, you know, they they seemed a little uh, tense about that. You know, wow, I mean, wow. Well, you know, when you're dealing with the difference between heaven and hell, sometimes you need to get a little intense. Some people think nothing of it. Oh, what's a big deal? Come on. You know, they're decent kids. They're this, that, or that. Yeah, they're decent. But if they don't know Jesus, I don't care how decent they are, they'll wind up in hell. I wasn't necessarily a decent kid, But I went to a, you know, mainline denominational church, and I didn't know Jesus, and I was going to hell because of what I didn't know. Are you with me? It's tough stuff, I guess, we're talking about here, but, you know, Jesus went on then to say, he said, there's there's that seed that ends up in a place where thorns and thistles and weeds, uh, you know, if you try to grow grass in the spring, it doesn't work, Nelson. Right now, buddy, if you want to grow grass, right now is the time. Why? Because it doesn't fight the weed seed. Yeah, just a little, little advice here from the grass whisperer. Hallelujah. In the spring, <laughs> no bueno. You know, you're fighting it. Well, in the scriptures, Jesus said that's exactly what happens to the word. And, and what, is, what describes the weeds? The cares of this life the deceitfulness of riches, and the strong desires of other things. Enter in and choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. But then thank God for the good ground. Everybody say, thank God for the good ground. Yeah, it's where the seed finds good lodging and a good place, and it brings forth 30, 60, 100 fold. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for all of us. Praise God. I mean, you know, when we all get to heaven, we'll have this great big reunion. We'll go, whoo, glory to God. We did it. We live for him. Amen? Hallelujah. So it makes it important. But there is an eternal eternal perspective, a heavenly one, that Jesus asks us to recognize, observe, and participate in as his children. Now, you know, you know, I'll give you a great example. You don't think about it. Th- I don't think about it this way. But did you, do you know that in the scriptures it says that in heaven, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. You can't get your head wrapped around that. So when Jesus says, tell him, I'm coming soon. Behold, I come quickly One day for him is a thousand years. Well, we know we're at least 2,000 years down the road from his ascension. So it's been a couple days. He said, in the third day, I will rise again. So I don't know when that is, but I want to be ready. Are you listening to me? But our perspective is so much different than heaven's when it comes to these matters that we're talking about. And unfortunately... 
the tendency of human nature is really never, you know, we don't want to recognize or, or prioritize these things as God does. But today I want to challenge you. And I want to challenge you to think differently and say, hey, wait a minute here. We need to, uh, we need to wake up. And we need to be thinking about what it is that God is telling us. And we need to make sure that we're doing what it is He wants us to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. You know, <clears throat> I use my own, my own life as an example. I mentioned to you, you know, as a teenager, my adolescent teenage years, I didn't know Jesus. And, and people were um, approaching me, talking to me about needing Christ, telling me that he had a plan for my life and that if I would repent, they, I, you know, I guess that was part of the thing. You know, a lot of people, they don't like repentance real bad. You, you know, you get a charge out of repentance, but I tell you what, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness in those that exercise themselves in it. Amen? Sometimes you just need to repent. But, you know, human nature, it's like, dude, it ain't my fault. Well, yeah, it is. The Bible says that we are by nature the children of wrath. You need Jesus. And the only way you can get him is to give your whole heart, your whole soul and mind to him and ask him to forgive you. That's repentance. And to turn. Well, people are pitching me this gospel and I, and, and I know it's true. How many of you knew it was true? Sure, because it would reach down and the conviction of the Holy Ghost would start shaking things on the inside of you and so you try to run away. That's what people do. I did. I went to a, a concert that was on the football field and trainer one night. And, um, you know, at the end of the thing, it's called the Soul Peace Band. Whoopee. Hallelujah. Well, if you're looking for soul peace, this is a place to go. And, you know, they're, they're calling. They're making an altar call to come. I, I walked down. But I didn't give my heart to Christ. Why? Because I'm wrestling. Now, I know none of you have ever wrestled before. You're probably going to wrestle with this message. You know? Ouch, ouch, ouch. Oh, ouch. You know, I was wrestling. Now, I, I made my way. You could say, well, you know, you were in the process. Okay. But I never made the commitment. Huh? Good intentions don't cut it. Well, you know, I was going to. You know, I was. Yeah. Brother Hagen had a message entitled, Neglected Opportunities Bring Regret. And we have opportunity right here, right now, you guys, to adjust, change, move. Y'all with me here so far? You know? And, and so, so I walked the aisle. I went down there, you know, and people, you know, kind of rejoiced. Well, look who just walked the aisle. That there is monumental. Well, it was. But I, I still didn't. I still didn't ask him to come into my heart. Not really. I went through the motion, but I didn't really genuinely give him all of my heart and soul. So I went to a couple, three Bible studies, you know, and got enough of the Word of God on the inside of me to recognize. See, the Word brings conviction. We're, be, we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the Word of God that lives and abides forever. Are you with me? And so I, got a, I went to three Bible studies, you know, and, and on the way home from one of those Bible studies, I finally had gotten enough of the word on the inside of me to recognize that I needed to give God all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind. That was the only way this thing was going to work, and I knew that. And I knew that I needed Him. And so I made my commitment to Him. And I asked him to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. And I meant business. I didn't mean business on this other thing. I was probably being lured or encouraged or whatever. And I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't do that where people's lives are concerned. But I mean, at the end of the day, a relationship with God is between you and him and your heart. Are you with me? So, thank God... <laughs> I, you know, I think back about it, you guys, and you would all agree with me. 
you know, it's kind of like, well, dude, why didn't you give your heart to him when you walked out at the concert? I don't know. I mean, I guess you have to say, I didn't really want to. Okay? Why? Well, you know, if I do this, then I might have to get rid of my flaky, funky friends. If I do this, then I won't be able to live like the devil. If I do this, and the devil is a master at telling you how wonderful your goofed up life is. And so I didn't. But thank God I got rid of all the noise when I was on my way home and said, God, I need you. And he changed my life forever. Forever. I mean, forever. Now look at this scripture with me again. Remember back there in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, our text? Notice what it says again in verse 1. We then, as workers together with him, we plead with you not to receive the grace of God, how? In vain. And then he quotes Isaiah 49 and says, you know, in a time accepted, I've heard you. And in the day of salvation, I've helped you. How many of you have been helped by him? And what was it that time, you know, when you needed him and he showed up? So the Corinthians, if you know anything about the church, the, the church there in Corinth or, or Corinth in general was a lascivious, I mean, rotten city full of immorality and messed upness. And what Paul is writing here, matter of fact, he's addressing a situation where a, a, a son had taken his stepmother away from his father and was living in adultery with her in the church. And he said, why haven't you dealt with this? I mean, he was strong about it, you know. And again, let me say this again, you know, people talk about, you know, that we're, you know, that we're loving and accepting. That's not what the Bible preaches. The Bible preaches love and repentance. You with me? Because the accepting part is, is to say, well, you can just continue to do whatever it is you want. No, 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 no. You can't keep living in sin and expect to have the blessing of God in your life. And he's coming back for a glorious church. And I'm telling you, the glory of God doesn't have sin in it. Are you with me? So when Paul is writing this, le- this second letter to him, you know, actually they had, they had you know, behave appropriately, they dealt with it, and so on and so forth, and he was commending them. But he said, don't receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, what all of us have experienced is not something we should just put on the shelf and say, yep, glad I got that cared for. Now I'm just going to go do whatever it is I want to do. And then he goes on to say, now is the accepted time. Huh? Behold, today is the day of salvation. Look with me. I want to read this. You know, and here's the thing that I want to tell you that really what Paul is, is, is addressing is the indifference of the church with regard to the grace of God. Oh, we should have such gratitude in our hearts. Can you say amen? Amen. Yes, we should be grateful for what it is that he's done. And I'm not suggesting that we aren't, but let's keep it that way. The uh, uh, English Standard Version says this way, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. In the day of salvation, I've helped you. But behold, now is the favorable time, and right now is the day of salvation. The New Living Translation says it this way. He says, I beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. We've got a lot of people, you know, maybe not within the context of our church or things, but there's people in the body of Christ that are ignoring his grace. They're not in church. You know, you can't find them anywhere. They're, they're jaded. They're jacked up. You know, they're bitter. They're whatever. It's terrible. So unfortunate. 
He goes on to say, On the day of salvation I've helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Here's my question to you this morning, folks. Are we putting off decisions and actions that we should be taking? Are we ignoring the prompting of the Holy Ghost to re-engage in spiritual things? Are we, you know, for example, leading spiritually within our homes? Well, you know, she takes care of that. Listen, you guys, your kids need to see you, and they need to see God in you. You need to show them God. You say, well, how do I do that? You pray. You pray with them. You read the Bible with them. You, you talk about what's important in priorities. You lead them to church. You say, we're going to church today. Are you listening? You don't leave it up to her. Are you with me? You come with, and you get involved. Are you listening to me? Because you're their example, and they're looking to you, and they want to see these things. But yet... We just kind of like, well, you know, I, 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 yeah, I know I should, I, I should, but, you know, there's other things going on. I want to do this today, and are you getting this? Dude, don't put God off. Don't put him away. Don't, don't, don't move him to one side in your life. Let it be a priority. Listen to me. Listen to what the Holy Ghost, forget about me, and listen to what the Spirit of God is telling you right now. Are you listening to me? Because you can blow it off. You can say, well, you know, pastor, you just had a bad night. I didn't have a bad night. I had a really good one, as a matter of fact. But what I'm telling you right here, right now, is so vitally important to you and, the, and your future. Because the Bible, for example, says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. <clears throat> As the manner of some is. Well, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to church all the time. It's not a matter of having to. It's a, it, we get to. We should come and say, hey, we're gathering corporately to come together and to worship God and to magnify his name and to be in his presence and to do the will of God and to love and serve one another and be involved in what it is that's going on within the kingdom of God. And it says, don't do it, especially as we see the day approaching. We're in it. The day's approaching. I mean, I, I got to think it's right on top of us. Lead your home spiritually. Here's a good one. You're going to love this. You ready? Make amends with your family. Now, some things, let's qualify that. The Bible says that we're to, as much as rests within us, live peaceably with all men. But listen, if you've got an offense and you've, you've screwed up a relationship, you need to fix it. When are you going to do it? Well, you know, I'm just waiting for the right time. <laughs> what that scripture say, verse 2? Behold, today, now is the time. You say, well, they may not. They may not be ready, or they may not receive it, or they may not whatever, whatever. That's not your deal. We just need to say, God, I know that this is something I need to do, and I'm going to, go, I'm going to do my best, you know, to make this thing right. You guys, don't put them off. And, and, and if there's any one thing in my message that I'm sharing with you today, it's this point. Because we all have tendency to have these things happen in our lives, and it's just easier to deal with it from a distance. Don't do that. Because the world and our families and everyone needs you right now. Does this make sense to you? I know this isn't a shout and let's hang from the chandelier kind of message, but, <clears throat> you know, Let's stir up the gift of God that's in us. Let's pray. I mean, if you feel flat, say, God, I feel flat. Help me. 
you know, to stir up the things that, you know, that are really important and start pushing towards what it is that God wants to do. Because the devil will do everything. You know, ask yourself the question, what are the things that are drawing me away? I'm talking about drawing me away from God. Well, you know, I just really want to do this, and I really want to do that, and I really want to do the other thing. And so you end up clear over here in the middle of nowhere. Don't be deceived. <laughs> like the scripture says, God's not mock whatever man sows that shall he also reap. Think about this with me, you guys. Come on now. Amen. Don't disconnect because, you know, all of a sudden you've had as much as you want. Sometimes, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're drinking NyQuil, man, we're going to drink the whole dose, okay? Man, I don't like that. Well, plug your nose and drink the rest of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Christ has been telling the church repeatedly by the Spirit of God in, in all of these reoccurring messages I'm coming again. For the last three years since uh, the 19, uh, in March of 19, when this whole COVID thing, I mean, all of a sudden we have this huge shift. And all of a sudden, hell shows up in a major kind of way. And it is relentless in its marching. And the church needs to recognize it and pay attention to what it is that God's wanting us to do in these last days while we have the chance. Because it won't always be here for us. Listen to this verse of Scripture, uh, Revelation 22 and verse 12. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon bringing my recompense or reward with me to repay each one for what he has done. Next verse. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Blessed are those people. But look at the first verse again. Look what it says. Behold, I'm coming soon, and I'm bringing my reward with me. Did you know that there's rewards? All of you are getting rewards. They're going to be great. But, but what we have to realize is, is he is coming soon, and he's bringing with him those rewards. And then it goes on to explain to us that, you know, he's going to repay everyone for what they've done. We need to be preparing ourselves for his, re, re, his, his arrival. You know, when somebody comes to your house, this is especially true with mama. I mean, man, if she knows company's coming, dude, she turns into a tornado. It's already clean, but it's going to get cleaned again. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, everything's going to be right. What, what's she doing? She's preparing. Why? For company. Somebody's coming. Are you with me? Now, if you're like me, I'll look around and say, eh, it's good enough. You know. <laughs> Prepare for his coming. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, praise God, let's, let's get ready. You know, as I, I read a book here. Well, I've just, I finished it up, but. There was a guy by the name of Richard Sigmund. He, he was born in 1941, died in 2010. He died for eight hours and went to heaven. It's an interesting book. You say, is it valid? I think it is. When you read some of the stuff and with the reverence that is within the book and how he speaks of heaven and stuff, I don't have any reason not to believe what it is that he was. He said some things I can't tell you. Some things he's uh, had... Um, how would you say that? He was not allowed to remember, you know, different things. But there's a lot of things in this book that he read and this, or that he, he did say. And, he's, and in this book, he said, Jesus spoke to him. The one thing he said, I want you to go back and tell everybody that I love them. That I love them unconditionally. I love them. But the other thing he said, he went back and he, he told him, he said, you go back and you say, Tell them, prepare yourselves and get ready because I am coming back soon at a time when people don't think. He said, I am coming back. I am coming back. 
And that's, that's the thing, again, about human nature is, well, you know, yeah. He, you know, it's like when Peter was talking about people will say, well, where is the sign of his coming? Everything continues on as it's always been. You know, what's the big deal? Well, he's coming. And you and I, we're going to be prepared. I said, we're going to be prepared. You say, well, what's that look like? That looks like us doing the will of God. That, that, that looks like obeying God. That, that looks like getting stuff straightened up and cleaned up and getting rid of stuff, you know, and this and that and the other. Amen? You may need a spiritual dumpster. We got 10 and 20 yard ones we can borrow you, you know, and you can just, you know, set it outside the door of your life and just start shoveling. People do it all the time, don't they? Huh? Getting rid of stuff. Let's conclude here. Uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, and we'll conclude for today. Um, maybe, Linda, if you want to go to the piano, you can. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42. What's the first two words there? Watch, therefore. Watch, 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 watch. For you know not what hour your Lord does come. What's the next three words? But know this. So here's something Jesus wants us to know. Really think about what it is that he's saying. He said, watch, therefore, and know this. Notice what he said. That if the goodman or the master of the house had known what watch the thief would have come, he would have watched and would not have suffered or allowed his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. Who then is a wise and faithful servant whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Let me just close by making this statement to you, everyone. Our priorities are different from heaven's. But heaven's priority is the salvation of this world. It's all that our Heavenly Father thinks about. It's the precious fruit of the earth. Jesus said it. He said, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Pray and ask the Lord that he'll send laborers into this harvest. Well, we're the laborers, and he's sending us. And so if we want kingdom business to be done, if we want it to be the priority in our lives, then we need to talk to those people that we've been meaning to talk to. We need to go to those places and visit with them and say, man, I, I need to talk to you about this. All of us have people on our hearts that God has spoke to us about. You say, well, no, no, that's not my job. I, you know, that, uh-uh. you know that's, that's a preacher's job. Well, didn't the Bible say that there was a new commandment that we love one another? Huh? And that we were to love each other? Well, isn't telling someone about the gospel of Christ loving them? I don't think there's any greater expression than when we say, listen, um, I know that you might not be of the same persuasion I am, or, uh, you know, I don't know if you're a person of faith or anything of that nature, but I want to let you know that, that my life was such and such, and Jesus changed it forever. And, and I'm only here just to simply say that if that's, you know, if, if you haven't experienced that reality that, you know, you, you need to know that God has a plan for you and he loves you. The Bible says that his, he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for our sins so that we can have life and life more abundantly. And again, I'm not here to be your judge. I, I, that's not my point. My point is, is I, I really care about you and I want to know that heaven is going to be your home. It's just that simple. 
And I pray that every one of us will carry within us that um, urgency and, and care, I guess you would say, for the people that are around us. You know, you'll wade into it, and you, and you may screw it up royally, but at least you did it. And maybe you can just back up and, you know, take another run at it and say, no, I didn't quite get that right. I believe that God will honor that and that he will love you for it and that he'll reward you. This, uh, <clears throat> this Richard Sigmund said that in heaven there are buildings that are of indescribable size. No way to really even describe it. And there are places of record where angels are recording everything that everyone does. You say, well, how can that be? How is that possible? I don't know. But they were doing it. And he said it was, and this building was busy. You know, angels coming and going and doing whatever. But everything that you do is recorded. And if you read in the scriptures, you know we don't have time to do that. You read in the scriptures, you'll see that it talks about, and there was a record made. Now, he said that, he said that when people repent, now all the stuff that you do wrong, it gets recorded too. But when, it get, when you repent, it gets erased. I like that. Amen? So the only thing is, that is left is that good deed, that compassionate, you know, um, act, um, that loving comment, the, the thing. That's heaven. <laughs> That's heaven. And we're all going to get to go and enjoy that. But I tell you what, you guys, before we go, man, dude, let's cut a wide swath and bring some people with us. You want to bow your heads with me for just a moment? Father, I've done my best. And now, Lord, I just ask you to speak and minister to every one of our hearts. Father, no one's exempt. There is, uh, there's no distinction. There's just us. But, Father, we do love you and we care for the plans and purposes that you have for us. And God, it's our desire to be those laborers, to be those servants, the ones who have been given responsibility in this earth realm to be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So God, I pray that you'll speak to each of our hearts here right now. And if there are those that are here, Father God, that need to make corrections, that need to make changes, that have choices and decisions, Father, that need to be made, Father God, right now, help us all to commit to those things. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around. You know, this is really just a time between you and him. I can't really offer you a, a call, per se, other than to admonish you that if there are things that this, what I've shared, strikes a chord in you. Oh, Jesus. I pray for courage, Father. I pray for strength. Father, difficult decisions. Things, Father, that need to be done, that we've known about, but haven't done them. Lord, I pray that, that, that we will be strengthened with might by your Spirit and our inner man. Church, just pray this, uh, pray this prayer with me. It's general, but pray it with me. Say this, dear Heavenly Father, I come today without resignation or reservation. And God, I give you all my heart, all my soul, 
and all my mind. Lead me in the way you would have me to go. Strengthen me to say yes to the things that need to be said and no to the things that need to be said no. And Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. May your grace abound in all of our lives to do the will of God from our hearts. And we thank you for it. Please stand with me if you would, please. Hallelujah. Bless you, Father. Hallelujah. I want you just to close your eyes for a moment here. We're going to sing a song in just a little bit, but I, I want to I give opportunity here to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes and lift one hand up toward heaven. Father, we stand before you today. We stand in your presence. And Father God, I know that there is a grace that is sufficient for every person that's here today. And Lord, I realize that there are those that are here, Father God, that have been under, laboring under difficulties and challenges, Father. So much so, Father God, it's it's been prolonged and burdensome. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Visit them, Father, right now. Hallelujah. Speak to them of your eternal promises. What it is that you said you would do. Bring about those things, Father, that can cause change in their lives. And Father, turn their captivity. Just as you said in your word that we read earlier, Father, that in the time when we needed help, you showed up. I'm asking you to do that for them today. And Father, I thank you for your blessing.